Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where the events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. My name is John Keeley. This is the 359th show of ROI, and our noted guest for today's show is Rick Sweet, treasurer of the Clinton Symphony Association, who is going to talk to us about the COVID-19 epidemic and its effects on the Clinton Symphony. The history buff for today's show is Terry Toppler. The show's theme song is Kayla's theme, written and performed, maybe, by Mark Zapzaptel. Our producer and engineer is, as always, David Baker. This is the opening segment of our show, which is called Farouk Tanarin, and today we're going to be talking about COVID-19 effects on the arts, with Rick Sweet, treasurer for the Clinton Symphony Association. Rick, can you, uh, first of all, thanks for being on the show. And second of all, can you give our listeners a little historical background on the Clinton Symphony? I would love to. Uh, the Clinton <laughs> Symphony Orchestra has uh, just completed its 66th season, uh, surviving 66 years of economic ups and downs and uh, somewhat of a rarity for a small town. The uh, symphony has been a president in Clinton uh, since 1954 when a group of community leaders got together to form an organization to bring uh, great live music to the city and its uh, surrounding community. Uh, it started when Lowell Adams, who was the then the Clinton High School Orchestra conductor, had a vision uh, for a community orchestra in his town and it just so happened that his wife was a member of the clinton junior women's club uh, which took on the project and led the way to assemble a local orchestra uh, made up of local musicians that eventually created the clinton symphony orchestra uh, the junior uh, women's club also set up the governing body which is the board of directors and uh, actually spearheaded it uh, being created as a 501c3 corporation in Illinois in 1958. So um, the orchestra presented its first concert in April of 1954 uh, under Maestro Adams, and the concert was augmented by musicians from the Quad City Symphony Orchestra and Augustana College. Um, William Henningbaum, which is a kind of a noted name in the musical world in this area, uh, was the the first soloist for the uh, Clinton Symphony Orchestra in that first performance. Okay, so give us a little bit of, of information then. Where is the Clinton Symphony at the moment? Where does it play concerts? Um, how many people are, are in the symphony um, are they local? Do they do you import? Because I know the Quad City Symphony Orchestra brings people in from all over the Midwest. Does Clinton Symphony do that same kind of thing? Um, just, just give us sort of some where's the symphony is at the moment. Well, the the, uh, the core group for the symphony are 45 musicians. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and depending on the music pieces performed at each concert, it can swell to 55. Uh, most of the musicians have played uh, in the Clinton Symphony for 
uh, over 30 years, uh, particularly the, the woodwind and the brass section. The string section, uh, the current maestro, Brian Dollinger, who's been the, the conductor for the last 13 years, will bring musicians in from Western Illinois University, Muscatine Symphony, uh, Iowa City, uh, and uh, the Davenport area. The symphony plays uh, uh, normally uh, schedules six performances uh, a year, four classical concerts, a chamber concert, and a free pops concert uh, for the community. The two classical concerts are held in Clinton at uh, the Clinton High School, one in Morrison, Illinois, and one in Sterling. The chamber concert is performed in, at the Lutheran Church in Clinton, and the Pops concert are held uh, at the Riverfront uh, Park in Clinton, Iowa. So, uh, Rick, how many people are full-time employees uh, with the Clinton Symphony? And um, because it's a symphony, I'm assuming that, of course, there's a lot of uh, people that love to play and volunteering. But uh, who, which individuals are directly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic uh, in the pocketbook and their presentations? Well, we have two full-time employees, which are the maestro, Brian Dollinger, and the executive director for the symphony, uh, Robert Whipple. We know him as Bob. Bob has been with the symphony for 47 years, so you can see there's a long tenure. Uh, the not come lately, yeah. The, yeah, he's just he's uh, just out of his uh, preliminary uh, probationary uh, evaluation. <laughs> Boy, that's a tough crowd, in Clinton. <laughs> it is a tough crowd. the 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 main impact is the board did uh, vote to continue their salary. We have, in fact, canceled our our spring uh, concert uh, and. Uh, uh, so both Bob and Brian will continue to to receive their their paychecks to the at least the end of the fiscal year, uh, which is uh, uh, hope they're not listening, uh, which is uh, uh, July one. Uh, the board, I think, the board sentiment is we will. They are so valuable, we will keep paying them uh, regardless, uh, as long as our money holds out. The the other impact is that the uh, 45 core musicians obviously will not get their their uh, performance rehearsal and uh, travel pay because of the spring concert cancellation. Okay. Well, and, and Rick, so talk for a moment about that because we tend to think that you just don't pay musicians very much, and you don't. But when you're talking about nearly 50 people, it adds up. So what's the average cost? And I know it varies because of the number of musicians, but what's the average cost to Clinton Symphony for you to put on a concert? Well, the again, it depends on the, the Christmas concert is by far the most expensive. And, of course, the chamber concert, which is usually uh, 12 to 15 musicians, is the least expensive. But on average, it costs us twelve to $13,000 to to uh, put on a, a concert event uh, and the mu- musician costs per concert, not counting the, the uh, uh, chamber concert is about seven, $8,000 of, of uh, salary and benefits that they're not going to receive. Okay. So um, 
how does this, is this kind of, I'm not expecting to speak of all of Clinton, but is this kind of like a reflection about how um, other arts in the city is trying to deal with it? I mean, because they also have playhouses that I'm sure many of the musicians go to. Uh, is the city of Clinton looking this as a whole, or is each entity kind of handling things in their own way? Well, in fact, uh, we've gotten notification from the uh, the uh, Clinton uh, Ballet has canceled their entire season. The Quad City uh, Ballet also has canceled theirs. Uh, I believe the Quad City Symphony and the Muscatine Symphony have canceled at least their their um, uh, March and April events. Uh, and all of us are looking at the same thing. You know, we are a, we're a nonprofit, and we have historically uh, cut the the uh, expenses to the bone to make sure that we don't go in the red each year. So this this has uh, uh, an immediate impact uh, where we do le- lose performance. Ever all of the arts lose performance income, uh, but we also uh, lose the performance expenses. So it's kind of a uh, it's a double-edged sword. The biggest threat we've got uh, is we're looking at our major revenue activities, which occur at the Pops concert, and then we have a symphony benefit that uh, between the two represents about uh, between 20 and 25 percent of the revenue, annual revenue that we, we would pull in to run the symphony for, for the, the year or performance season coming up. Okay. We have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. KALA, 88.5 FM, the radio station with the most diversity in the Quad City region. Jazz, blues, R&B, hip-hop, Spanish and Hispanic programming, gospel, new rock, oldies, news, and shows addressing local community issues. And the world's best in entertainment and news from Public Radio International. Here's something different on KALA, 88.5 FM, the most diverse radio station in the Quad City region. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where the events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. And my name is John Keeley. This is the second segment of our show, which is referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Rick Sweet, treasurer for the Clinton Symphony Association, and we're talking about how the COVID pandemic has affected the Clinton Symphony in the upcoming year. Our history buff for today's show is Terry Topla. Terry, uh, you get the first question for Rick. Thank you. Hello, Rick. Yes, I had a question. I, you had mentioned that you do about six performances a year um, between 45 to 55 musicians. Um, I noticed, though, that sometimes you have special guests. Um, such as featuring young artist winners that are in the local community. Can you talk a little bit more about that, please? Sure. Uh, one of the core 
uh, elements of our our uh, symphony mission is education and introducing uh, uh, music to to uh, uh, the youth. Uh, we do a uh, uh, a recital competition called the Young Artist Award uh, with uh, uh, symphonic players from the three high schools in the areas that we we perform in and uh, the winner appears as a guest soloist at the symphony's winter uh, concert uh, the symphony also uh, uh, we do hire professional soloists and as part of their agreement they visit the various schools to demonstrate uh, instrumental techniques and uh, provide free lessons uh, in uh our Christmas concert, we normally bring in the youth ballet or a youth choir uh, to perform with the symphony, uh, which, again, reflects one of our core missions. Thank you. Okay. Um, Rick, my, my question is a little bit into the future. And, and again, I know there, there may be things that you can't talk about in terms of the symphony finances. But as you project, assuming that we can't do anything at least into, say, mid to late summer, that, that that's the point at which um, the governor and, and so forth begins to, to lighten the, uh, to, to allow things to get back to normal. Um, Maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's best case. But so in terms of the Clinton finances, I would imagine that that's going to be, you're going to be well into fundraising and things like that is not being able to perform. Do you think going to affect those fundraising efforts? Are you at all concerned that there could be a cash shortfall as you go into next year? Or do you think that, that it really isn't at this moment going to have a financial as big a financial impact simply because while you don't have money coming in, you also don't have money going out. Yes, the the and by the way, the finances, the details uh, uh, are public record because we are a five hundred one c three. We have about a ninety ninety five thousand uh, uh, dollar financial plan. That's ninety five thousand or ninety thousand in revenues and ninety thousand in in expenses. The cancellation of the spring concert does salvage. Uh, initially a net of about $8,000 because there's there's uh, expenses we won't have, um, and uh, particularly the largest share, obviously, are the musicians. But the, the rub comes, the, you know, the timing is horrible because April is when we start ramping up um, with our, our fundraiser, and the first one is a, is a fund that we, we have patrons and I, I will say that that uh, the patrons pay about the contributions from individuals and businesses pay about 35 to 40 percent of our of our uh, of our expense picture um, the first category are what is called the conductor circle these are people who give extra uh, to encourage new contributions that if you gave like ten dollars, the, the uh, conductor circle will will match it a dollar for dollar. That starts in April, and we we're 
cautiously optimistic that those people who are longtime supporters will stay, uh, uh, stay with us. And then we start our ad campaign, and that's one that we think is really threatened because when these businesses are, are shut down, they are not inclined to want to spend money to advertise in our, our uh, concert program. So uh, that could be a five to $10,000 hit, which is, you know, you're looking at five to 10% of our revenue. And then the major one is our uh, uh, symphonic affair benefit that we hold in Clinton each year. And in fact, Jay, you have actually been to uh, a few of those and I think you've enjoyed yep. yourself. Um, you sure have. And that, and that, that pulls in almost 20% uh, of our of our uh, revenue for for the year. Uh, and then the final one is the Pops concert, which follows a, a couple of days after the the uh, benefit. And that's where we do, uh, we sell uh, 75 to 80% of our season tickets. And that is another five or $6,000 hit. So all in all, we're looking at, at possibly a uh, uh, 20 to 30% hit on the revenue side, uh, worst case scenario, depending if this, uh, if the shutdown continues on through uh, into the summer. If it doesn't, I think we, uh, you know, as I said, Bob Whipple is our executive director. He spends most of the money other than the musicians. And he is a magician with with uh, keeping a uh, – he can squeeze blood out of a rock, in other words. <laughs> and you being a geologist, that means a lot. Um, that means a lot to me, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to look into um, – and this is a crystal ball. And I know you guys are nonprofit, but in times like this, um, is there any – direction or possibly guidance, maybe financial help from the state? I mean, I, I understand your point that people are shutting down everything, and so getting the money you need to survive is, is incredibly difficult. But, you know, the state has stepped in for arts and nonprofit organizations before. Is there any chance of that, or that's just totally out of the picture? We have a board member who is uh, uh, works with the board president on on grants. We do we do uh, uh, receive uh, uh, about fifteen percent, twenty percent of our money through uh, through grant programs, um, and uh, she is looking into that. There is not the clarity on uh, what the state uh, can offer, and of course the federal government has come up with a package and and she's looking into that right now um the uh the we're also members of the league of american orchestras and they have been providing information and advice on how to salvage uh your your resources to get through this uh epidemic okay terry Yes, Rick, I've noticed online recently that there have been many uh, orchestras around the world and, and choirs um, that are doing what they call self-isolating concerts, like on Facebook yeah. and Instagram. Has there been any discussion about doing like a digital concert hall where every member uh, participates from their own house? 
Well, but no, we haven't because the the musicians are spread out all over uh, Iowa uh, and Illinois, um, and uh, again, they're the um, the logistics on that. Uh, we kicked that around. The vice president and I talked about that. Uh, uh, Nancy Malley is our vice president, and we we just cannot envision how we would be able to to get that done the 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 major thing is that we're we know we're going to lose revenue but the key thing we're worried about is to to maintain to keep our our conductor to to keep our core uh musicians uh and uh uh just keep the the symphony in a at least a healthy uh, holding pattern until this this uh, epidemic washes out. Um, we all know that a symphony or a, an art center uh, really do provide uh, communities with a culture that is truly indispensable. Uh, is there a chance, or has people talked to the city council and the mayor of possibly? coming up with some ways because I, I mean, I think you've done a marvelous job providing our listeners that you guys are, are pretty much going to try and get every dime possible to keep this afloat. And in other years where uh, coins don't mean anything this year, it means more than ever is the city of Clinton uh, discussing ways with you to try to help out. No, and uh, actually, one thing I forgot to to mention that is a key part of the symphony is I, I fondly refer to them as the church basement ladies. There's actually men on the group. Oh too, yeah, but both most of them are are uh, women who have been uh, around and participated with the symphony for years and years and years. And it's called the Friends of the Symphony, and they are. I've I've told people in presentations that they have a apparently a bag of pixie dust because they can go out and they have, they have really enhanced the, the contribution from the various uh, communities. I'll, I'll give you an example, uh, just in contributed income that that's, uh, businesses as in, in, in individuals and the lion's share of individuals, it's up 34% over the last two years earned income, which are basically se- uh, selling tickets for, uh, performances up 11 percent, and grants and other incomes are up 20 percent. So overall, over the last two years, we're up 24 percent from where we were uh, starting uh, two years ago. And it's the the uh, friends of the symphony, my what I call my church basement ladies, uh, is the critical success factor for what we've done. And what that represents is the commitment of these communities to keep this symphony in this small and in these small towns. So we are, as I said, cautiously optimistic. We will weather this and continue on. I think that's a valid point. Uh, It amazes me what fantastic uh, organizations local communities will have because of those people and that are you know busting their backs uh, behind the behind the scene to make things really work, and I think there's probably hardly anything more taken for granted in our modern world than uh, those people 
trying to make great organizations go, and they're remarkably relevant. Absolutely. I agree with you. Hey, hey Rick, um, I have kind of a two-part question here. Um, I have and a two-part kind of answer, piggy- then. Yeah, it kind of piggybacks with what John said. I'm just wondering whether um, individuals within the community uh, have reached out to the symphony to, to express um, their support and appreciation, and then what the symphony is doing. Since you talked about, you know, wanting to keep your core musicians uh, in place uh, and, and so forth, what is the symphony doing in terms of talking to musicians? Do you have? Are you FaceTiming or Zooming or whatever, just to, or emailing these guys just to say, hey, how are you? What's going on? Um, you know, because I would imagine one of the things we haven't talked about, none of Probably that's not fair. I would bet there are very few of your musicians who who their their entire livelihood is coming from um, from just playing in symphonies. So most of the musicians I know tend to give lessons. They tend to do um, all sorts of things like that, which require contact. contact, contact, contact. And and so I would yeah. think that for yeah. at least some of these folks money is going to very quickly start to become tight. What kinds of conversations have you had so far with your musicians? Well, uh, since the uh, most, a lot of the musicians have been friends for 25, 30 years, there's obviously conversation back and forth. Um, and the executive director, Bob Whipple, has been has been communicating, keeping the symphony up to, to speed as to, you know, what we're doing and, and uh, um and again, we don't know. We know we've canceled the spring concert, and we 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 don't know when the you know uh, stay-at-home order uh, or suggestion um, is going to be re- uh, removed. The um, the the symphony again. You mentioned that the they don't. This is not their main uh, source of income. Uh, with the exception of our principal chairs, um, most of the most of the players, uh, this is the symphony they play in, and it's it's not really a hobby. What we pay them is to defray their expenses to perform. They perform because they love it. If you are around the musicians in rehearsals and after the concert, you can just see that it's it's a magical experience. Uh, most of the principal chairs play in several orchestras, uh, and they do have day jobs, but most of those day jobs are music uh, instruction uh, for students, and that is that is ended. They, they can't do that because of, of the uh, stay-at-home order, particularly those who live in Illinois. I think the Iowans are still doing one-on-one where they can when their parents will let them than uh, do lessons, but uh, um, again, it's not. It is a portion of their income, but not a, a fatal portion of their income, if I can say it that way. All right. Well, we have about a minute and a half left. So, Rick, it's customary that we ask our guests to give the last word in our show. So uh, why do you think knowing about the current pandemic's effects on the arts is relevant in today's world? Well, the symphony orchestra not only 
Clinton Symphony, but all the orchestra and other arts organizations uh, contribute mightily to a community's quality of life. Uh, It's one of the few live musical performance events that's still readily available to the public. Uh, And that has been... Uh, temporarily suspended. So it's it does affect the quality of life, and there's a lot of people who want to see uh, not only the Clinton Symphony, but all symphonies and, and uh, other arts organizations uh, come back to life. Uh, it is a unique experience. As I mentioned earlier, um, it is uh, a, a magical, magical event when you listen to live um, symphonic music. And the symphony organization as itself in the, in the community binds that community together. It, it uh, helps build a, a, a spirit of pride in, in their, their various communities. So it's, it's, uh, uh, there's nothing like sitting in the audience and listening to an assembly of musicians produce uh, the world's greatest music. It is a spiritual experience. Uh, and that is threatened. Again, uh, as I've said throughout our conversation, I am cautiously optimistic that we and the other symphonies and ballets and museums will weather through this because of the commitment of their various com- communities. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. This program, the award-winning Relevant or Irrelevant, is heard Friday evenings at 9.30 p.m. Central Time on KALA HD2 or 106.1 FM in the Quad City area. You can listen over the air or anywhere via TuneIn.com. To hear this program and many other archived editions at any time, visit SoundCloud.com. Search for username KALA Radio. There you'll find Relevant or Irrelevant, and many other productions produced at the St. Ambrose University Communications Center. This concludes our 359th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Zapsapinal. My name is Jay Swords. And my name is John Keeley. We would like to thank our guest, Rick Sweet, treasurer for the Clinton Symphony Association, who talked to us about the COVID-19 pandemic's effects on the Clinton Symphony. The history buff for today's show is Terry Toppler. Uh, This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would also like to wish all of listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotsopulanala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Good night.